and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm really excited to welcome to the show my friend and fellow physician coach, Dr. Amelia Beakey, DO. Amelia is an incredible person. She's a specialist in neuromuscular skeletal medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine, nurturing health and empowering patients to realize their amazing inherent capacity. Dr. Beakey founded This Osteopathic Life to expand the understanding and application of osteopathic philosophy beyond the clinical setting, ultimately serving as guiding principles for a cultural revolution grounded in love and humanity. Dr. Beakey is a leader of coaches and a coach of leaders serving as Chair of Coaching for the American Medical Women's Association Ignite program, and is the founder of Coaching for Institutions, Bringing Health to Medicine. She specializes in design and facilitation of coaching programs for physicians at all stages of education, training, and practice, helping them unleash their inner potential to develop immunity to burnout and find success in any situation. I think it's fair to say that Dr. Beakey is definitely leading the way with inspiration. So without further ado, let's meet Dr. Amelia Beakey. Welcome to the show, Amelia. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for creating this space. No, my pleasure. I mean, it's 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 there for brilliant people like yourself to come on and share your journey and the, the, the tips and tricks that you've learned along the way um, with our audience. So really, really appreciative um, of you coming. So let's just start obviously I've I've just read your introduction but let's kind of like humanize it a little bit Uh, so in in your own words Mm -hmm. would you like to tell the audience a bit more about yourself including what your current work roles are and what leadership positions you currently hold or have held in the past please yeah absolutely so as you said osteopathic medicine has been my clinical space and as soon as I found out about DO is that just seemed like the right place to be talking about health focusing on what is right with patients And actually holding that thread made me feel a little bit uncomfortable in the clinical space because we often are expected to give diagnoses, tell people what's wrong with them and offer solutions. And we're often credited with the ones that are fixing them. And I was quite uncomfortable with that. And it wasn't until I arrived in my first coach training space and they said, okay, your job here is not to tell people what's wrong with them. You help them see what's right with them and that they have the answers. And I thought, thank goodness, because this is how I have been practicing medicine. And I found that space. And how can I now bring these worlds together. And that happened to coincide with the start of the pandemic and the shuttering of my clinical practice due to a PPE preservation order. And I thought, all right, right, if there was ever a moment, right, if there was ever a universal nudge or kind of a kick, (laughs) this was the time to give it a go. And so I put together curriculum writing and I ran a small group coaching program for physicians all across the country. And it was beautiful. And physicians of all specialties came together and shared their experiences. I thought, all right, this is fantastic. And I've also often held this idea that we have to change everything, (laughs) schools and food and medicine and how to bring this to a larger level. And that's where Coaching for Institutions came in 
And it really started as a grassroots effort and it's expanded to, as you mentioned in the intro, reach physicians at all stages of education, training, and practice, also associate clinicians who are working in healthcare professionals to be in that space and say, what can we do as individuals and how can we hold systems accountable to do this? And my leadership work was really in the clinical space as a medical director, as a residency program director. And then moving on toward national boards, I was an osteopathic health policy fellow also during the pandemic, which is an interesting time to be there, trying to just learn as much as I could about what is needed and how I could play a role. And what I see is I have the unique vantage point of seeing the big picture and being able to manage small details. And I continue to look for those spaces where it opens up for me to be a worthy participant in that leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you're also, um, as as Dr. Una, uh, our mutual friend, calls you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what is what's her term for you? You're like the the master collaborator, or the or something like that. The master networker. What, what yeah. is the? Yes, master collaborator. So in Alfred yeah. Business School, you know that was an award given to me, and it's one of those things where collaboration. If I depict my kind of top three principles, that would be at the top of it. Revolution and inspiring. Those are kind of the other three in a coaching program I had to bring forward for myself and seeing what other people are doing helping them find the ways to express their strengths really does, you know, if you look at that quote, make me come alive. And that is the work that really keeps me going. And so in coaching for institutions, I love creating the programs for the participants, but I think I love creating them just as much for my physician coach colleagues to participate in them and be able to bring forward their unique genius and brilliance and see that kind of catalyze and really be part of the revolution. So putting those pieces together, you know, hearing from an institution, what they need and want from the administration, being able to translate that hearing from the physician participants and then knowing what the coaches have to offer and synthesizing that really is a dream come true for me. So that award really meant a lot to me from, like you said, our friends, mentor, idol, sometimes (laughs) Dr. Una, that was a grand moment uh, last fall. Well, thank you for for going into that. And um, the reason for bringing it up was really just to, uh, and you, you've kind of, you've mentioned it for me really, but um, when you said you're um, a leader of coaches, um, it, it, it's so, so accurate. And, and you know, because you, you talked about the great, the great work that Coaching for Institutions does for the physicians and physicians' assistants and, you know, kind of branching out now. But uh, I, I, I see it from um, a physician coach's perspective as well, because, um, you know, we met through the OnTrend Business School and, uh, I mean, you just gave me all of my all of my chances. Uh, my my my, you you started me off as a as a, a proper coach for physicians and a proper leadership coach. You you really did. I really credit you with that. Um, you know, uh, at the beginning of it's the beginning of last year. Um, yeah, I was in quarantine in New Zealand, and uh, Clubhouse had just come out, hadn't it? As as like a beta version, oh, or something. Right. and and you, you somehow <laughs> with your your master collaboration hat on, you had these invites to Clubhouse, and none of us had heard of it. Mm-hmm. And you you mm-hmm. mentioned it in the in the um, business school group, and you're like, oh, who's interested? And and I asked, and um, we had some technical difficulties trying to get it sorted between the, the states and New Zealand, but I got there, and then completely out of the blue you you approached me having having heard me talk in one of the clubhouse rooms and said um I you know I just I, I liked what you had to say I thought you were genuine and um you know authentic and uh, I'd like you to be on the faculty 
and that was it and and so from a as one of your coaches uh, I can say what a great leader you are what a great person you are to work mm-hmm. for and and what amazing chances and opportunities you've given us all so I'm I'm personally very appreciative so thank you well thank you so, I just want to say too sometimes we just need that little that nudge that connection you know and whatever that might be because I know the impact you have you know from the positions with whom you've worked and to be able to have that little spark you know that's really beautiful so thank you for sharing that and it is a ripple effect you know my own business coach invited me to clubhouse right so we never know you know what those little moments might bring those sliding door moments yeah. so. Thanks for bringing yeah, that through. Yeah. Okay, so um, what? Wh- how do you see your own personal leadership style then? You know, my leadership style, like I said, is I think relatively unique that I can see the big picture and the details. Oftentimes we trade one for the other and I'll have this grand idea and be able to walk it back. You know, in, in coaching institutions, I did everything for a really long time. And I'm so grateful now to have an assistant who helped me and is such an amazing, valuable contribution. But I think also important for me to have done that piece. And so I'm not afraid. I have to think of that show as like the secret undercover boss, you know, where they come in, you know, and they want to yeah. see all the inner workings. I think it's important to know all that goes into forming a business and forming a program and leadership at an institutional level. And I think my origin story is that I stayed at my institution from a student, a third year medical student, all the way to residency program director. So I kind of walked, you know, every step of the way of what a physician in that institution might experience. And it helped me, right, to understand, like, who are those people, right? Of course, nurses as allies, and where are those, you know, pain points for the institution and how to speak the language of the economics department and, you know, the CEO and the students. And so just being able to hold that vantage point. And for me, I think the other piece is a willingness to pivot and be flexible like I mentioned, going from a clinical space to the coaching space in kind of an overnight moment. And also every time we run a program, being able to take the feedback and interpret that and integrate it and create something from that. So never being stuck right in a paradigm and saying, well, this is what we do and we're just going to keep doing it. And maybe like anything that can be also a fault where you're willing to give it all up and change it all. So that's where my leadership growth edge is, is how do I integrate that and you know hold on to those key foundational concepts that really are non-negotiables you know, in yeah. the creation of these programs. Yeah. Thank you. I love the way you described that you went from being a third year medical student up to the residency program director. And uh, that's something that uh, I feel is so important in leadership, um, especially in healthcare. You know, I think, you know, that the CEOs of hospitals actually walk the wards and, and visit the clinics and, and visit the radiographers and just you know and and speak with the cleaners and shake hands with the patients and do all of that on a weekly basis so they get Mm -hmm. some concept of what's going on I think that's so so important and you know uh I mean there are some companies in the in the hotel industry aren't there I don't know if it's a standard thing or not but you know to as part of your hotel management training you you have to spend so long working in the kitchen washing pots Mm -hmm. being being a sous chef whatever being a cleaner time on the reception desk, all of these sorts of things you have to do so that when you're a hotel manager, you know, if you know what what's going wrong and what can go wrong. And, and um, you have an idea about everything. And, and in a way, I mean, it's hard in healthcare, you can't expect uh, a chief medical officer or CEO to kind of spend time working as a phys- physical therapist or as a radiographer or something like that, but still shadowing and, and, and learning about those things would be would be so helpful. 
So yeah, I'm sure that stood you in, in really good stead. So um, yeah, you've what well, you've kind of mentioned your um, your leadership roles, and I think they're you know kind of the clinical and and the coaching. Um, so but how how did you get to become the residency program director? Um, and then can you tell us a bit about you know kind of your leadership role within coaching, if if that makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I often think about Abby Wambach's book. If you read it, Wolfpack, and she talks about different ways to lead, right? So she was captain and still, I think maybe the all-time leading goal scorer for all of U.S. soccer. And so it was very clear when she was a leader there, right? You have the the sleeve, you know, the wrap on your wrist, uh, your shoulder to show that you're the captain. But also when she was later in her career, it became leading from the bench, right? So if what you can do is lead by cheering. That's the way to go. And I can think about all the way back to elementary school sports, you know, and there were both of those for me. Sometimes I was the lead athlete and that's how I led. And sometimes I wasn't stronger there, but I would run you know, laps with everyone until they finished. And so just learning that leadership looks a lot of different ways, I think is so important. And in medicine, I was our chief intern, I was our chief resident, and we actually were founding a new residency. So I was helping write the curriculum as I was in it, which seems to be something that I continue to do. And so just saying, well, what is needed to be done here? And how can I apply the skills that I have to do that? And it really was out of a need. The program we director we had was not healthy for the program. And so I stayed the course and again, took on those roles before I ever had the title. And then when the time came and he departed the institution, then I stepped into that space. And so it doesn't require, right, that you have the title or the pay, although we could talk, right, of course, on this podcast about the importance of advocating for those things in a fair and equitable way. But also sometimes you just see what needs to be done and you pick up those tasks and do that. And in coaching institutions, you know, again, it started out as really a grassroots, you know, Zoom meeting in the time of the pandemic, what can we do? And then I think a lot of times it sifts itself out. You know, those who are meant to lead will end up in that space. And absolutely, we also need to leverage that, like you mentioned, right? So we can reach out and see, wow, you were really great at this. Like, how can I get you in that role? And so sometimes it is self-appointed, right? Sometimes people do reach out and ask you to do that. The Amway Ignite program, for example, they were looking for a chair of coaching. You know, so in Bonnie Koo, that was kind of a sliding door moment for me, said, you know, This role isn't the one I am looking for right now, but I think this might really work for you. And I stepped into it and it worked. And so sometimes we have to just take a chance on those and recognize when it is the right thing for us in the right time and being willing to bring someone else to the table if it isn't the right thing for us, but we know key leadership is needed because there are roles, like you mentioned, that my coaches do better than I do in the program. And so being able to call in those resources in the right spaces, I think is also a key part of that leadership. Brilliant, brilliant. So it's kind of seeing seeing the need for some change or some improvement is what is one of the things. It's uh, knowing when you've got the the human resources that have the potential and giving them the opportunity um, is is the other thing. That's great. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for that. Um, so on your journey, were there any doctors senior to you, female or male, that that helped you? Um, kind of encouraged you and was supportive. Yeah, absolutely. So in that hospital, so I spent a 10-year arc there, right, from med student to program director. And it was fascinating. When I started, there were only two residency programs. So as a student, you got to do everything. I could deliver all the babies. I was the first assist. And so, so many, I don't think I can name all of my preceptors who really took me on and believed in me to hand over their patients, right? And I think about that as I became an attending and thought, oh my gosh, right? Like, I can't believe they just did this all the time. And Every month they had a new student, you know, and just, just the willingness in that level, you know, in a community hospital setting 
the impact there is amazing. So just from that perspective, believing in me to step into that clinical role. And then again, seeing them over that arc of time and having them watch me grow and progress and say, wow, right. Like I remember when you, you know, did your first through your first suture and now look, right. You're leading this and you're the person I send my patients to, right. For consultancy, for neuromusculoskeletal complaints. I think that is so powerful to be able to navigate those relationships and being, you know, in my small clinical practice, Dr. Richard Huff, who has since passed was a great mentor. And again, believed in me enough to hand over the reins and help expand the clinic. And again, just seeing that he was an icon in our community. He had, he had paved the way for 30 years to see him then be willing again to step aside and say, look, you take, you take the lead now and you know, move mm-hmm. this forward. And I would say too, in the osteopathic health policy fellowship, um, Dr. Barbara Ross Lee, you know, who's an amazing speaker and leader and you know, pioneer in so many ways, just forging that program and then having the opportunity to be with her. You know, we shared an Uber (laughs) between one of our sites during the fellowship and just seeing that. And so seeing some of these really strong, amazing leaders. And I think the other one I have to credit to is Dr. Karen Nichols. She is currently the chair of the ACGME. So she is a DO, right? But into Mm -hmm. this MD space and really leading again by example and knowing that the osteopathic concept is so important, but not having to be in your face about it. So they have been really integral to me. And then in the coaching space, you know, there have been so many and the coaching team, again, being willing to show up week after week on zoom when things were just baby ideas, you know, small seeds and then coming through, I think I'd have to name so many, but I think right now my PQ pod, my positive intelligence coach pod has been really powerful for me. And that's Dr. Ursula Lang and Dr. Pam Ludmer and Dr. Bree Daniels. We meet every week and Mm -hmm. it's great for coaching enrichment, but also just that personal connection, you know, that comes from coaching has been so important for me as I continue to forge these programs. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, So I don't want it's it's been very positive so far. I just, uh, I want to talk a little bit about challenges. uh, So, so, you know, we can share some learning with our listeners, but um, you know, on your on your journey through leadership, did you ever experience any challenges like any bullying, discrimination, harassment, uh, or anything like that? And and how did you cope with and move past that if you did? Oh, absolutely. And so, like you said, we can paint the beautiful, brilliant picture. And it really was. There were so many highlights of my training experience. But as I mentioned, my program director was not a healthy match for the program. And yeah. I took a lot of um, internal blame for that because I asked for the program to be created and then recruited people to the program. And then realized, oh my goodness, right. I'm bringing people into a space that is not safe. And how do I then shield them? You know, so that also is where my leadership role came from because it was that sense of responsibility of, I asked for this, you know, and now how do I create a healthier space for it? And some of that was kind of being a personal shield, you know, how do I run interference here for this? So that was really challenging for me. And there were moments and I was told I shouldn't have had a baby, you know, things that I probably could have gone back, you know, and legally addressed in a different way that I, you know, should be happy to have the job that I did at the salary that I was offered and that there was no room for negotiation you know, just things that didn't, yeah. it didn't make sense. But when you're in that kind of hierarchy, you just begin to kind of take what you get and try not to make too much of a fuss. And again, put yeah. your head down and do the work and love your patients and yeah. go from there. So that was really challenging. And it, it was hard for me to know what was personal, what was systemic, you know, and yeah. who were my allies, you know, that was a challenge. And you learn to kind of rely on yourself a lot in that situation, because everything else can feel a little bit tenuous. And it's been interesting to hear from people who are in that program afterward, you know, then in it, we didn't really talk about it much, you know, it's, we were all kind of going through that experience. 
And it's mm. after that you all realize, wow, that was really traumatic, you know, and how do we now process this? And so the other part is having that residency got me my you know degree and specialty and that was really meaningful to me. So, you know, how can you appreciate the outcome, even though so many of those details were really challenging and that's still work that I do every day. Thank goodness with coaching. You know, I spent a lot of time yeah. coaching around that experience and, you know, and how that's opened up for me. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, can, can I ask, um, and you don't have mm-hmm. to, don't have to answer this, but you, you talked about the safe, the safety of, of, um, the people who are on the residency program, um, and keeping, trying to keep people safe from the mm-hmm. program director was, mm-hmm. was there some kind of sexual predation or something going on or what was it was no more like psychological emotional and like I said treatment of that sort where like I was told you know you you know don't really deserve this job and it's not my problem that you had this baby and again things that just aren't okay in that space and then seeing again the kind of the mental you know distress that resulted from that and this was in a time before maybe we used the word burnout and again we had a specialty that we didn't have a lot of call overnight, you know, in neuromuscular skeletal medicine, there aren't as mm. many emergencies. And so many times too, we were partnered with an OB residency who had a lot of call, right. And a lot of hours. Yeah. And so sometimes we would think, are we even allowed to be distressed, you know, because we're not having to do so many of these, yeah. you know, high work hours components, but it also, we knew we weren't well, you know, we weren't treated well, we weren't treated respectfully and, you know, in lots of subtle ways. And I think that's something that we don't often think about when we think about trauma, we think about big things, you know, Mm. and the big things matter too, but it's a lot of times on the daily basis, you know, being left, for example, for four hours, you know, we were supposed to meet for rounds and we would sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait, wait. And you, and there was no reason, right. There was, again, nothing else was happening, but it was just that keeping you on the thread and out of respect, you know, and out of, you know, again, that role, you're the resident and they're the attending you just have to, you know, and so it's yeah. one of those things where is this reasonable, you know, and yeah, in the, you begin to question yourself, you know, mentally in yeah. that space. And so I've learned more about that over the years of kind of what that type of abuse does and looks like yeah. and how it actually can be quite dangerous when it is insidious yes. like that. Um, yeah. because it kind of chips away at your confidence, yeah. you know, at your, you know, understanding, you start to question reality in different ways. And yeah. and that can almost sometimes be harder to recover from then sometimes the overt situations and not discounting or ranking, you know, any types of trauma, of course, in any way. Um, but I say, it's been interesting again, to reach out to those again. It's like, you don't talk about it. <laughs> we don't yeah. talk about Bruno in the moment. <laughs> you all just assume, you assume it's you, you know, you assume you're part of the problem and, you know, keep trying to change the things you can and again, hope you can survive. And it really became a survival space. And, you know, once I got into the space where that program director left and I was able to step into mm-hmm. it, my hope is you know, it was less of survival and more thriving and creating yeah. a space where open communication was welcome. Although I can say, I remember one conversation when I was the attending and I had, you know, a junior resident and I almost saw a little bit of that behavior, right? You, you almost mirror what had happened to you, but I saw it, you know, I saw it happening. And I thought, wait a minute, Amelia, like, this is what you vowed never to do to yeah. anyone, you know, in, and stop and check in and recreate yeah. that. But that's the ripple effect there too. We talk about ripple effect in the positive way, but it can, right? Yeah. Generational impact. And I don't want to belabor it, but I'm reading this book right now called Emotional Inheritance. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about generational trauma, right? And the, the radioactive effect of trauma, right? So even if it doesn't mm-hmm. happen to you directly, right? It can transmit 
in those ways. And I think we have that in medicine, right? While we might not be, mm. you know, talking about our grandfather directly, but it's like that grandfather tier in the practice of medicine and generationally, I think that's what we're doing. And I know that's a big piece of your work. And so how can we interrupt some of that? And the first step is I think recognizing it. Recognizing, yeah. Oh, right. I'm acting out of a trauma response here. And I do have to consciously identify that and shift my own behavior. Yeah. 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 I mean, you talk about um, the effect of these, uh, these situations kind of chipping away your confidence, but you know, the, the, uh, the invisible effects of what was essentially workplace bullying, gaslighting and other types of workplace bullying by the sounds of it. Um, And uh, you know, the kind of, the effects on your mental health and physical health and uh and you were chief resident as well weren't you so so you were you were experiencing all of the same things the other residents were but you were also trying to be a source of support for them as well so mm-hmm. that was very very challenging i'm sure um, yeah yeah it was it was for sure yeah well done for getting through it. and thank you for sharing that with us appreciate that mm-hmm. yeah thanks for bringing um, attention to it i think we have to we have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, well, thank you for that, um, you know, advice around, you know, kind of how to, you know, get through, get past these um, these kinds of workplace challenges. Do you have any other advice for our listeners on how to become strong, strong and kind leaders? Because I, I would say you are a strong and kind leader. Absolutely. I think that self-trust piece, and again, knowing that it's a work in progress. You know, I mentioned integrating yeah. feedback is one of my strengths, but still, you know, when I get a bid program survey, I think throw the whole thing out, right? Like trash the whole program. Everyone hates it. And it could be from one comment, <laughs> you know, so we're still subject to our, our human brain and human emotional yeah. response, right? You might yeah. have 10 comments that say, this is great. Change my life. And you get one that says, you know, I wouldn't recommend this to a colleague. And you think, well, the whole thing's terrible. <laughs> so I think letting yourself, you know, have that full human experience is okay. And then you take a breath and you you come back to it and say, great, what can I learn from this? And so I think strong and kind leadership is a lot of listening and it is listening to others, but it is also listening to yourself. You know, so again, I, I had some sense, right. An intuition that this was not right. This was not okay, but I stuffed it down, right? Like, again, don't make a fuss. Maybe it is, you know, again, we get paid well as physicians. Maybe I should just be happy Mm. with this job. So don't ignore that intuition, right? So finding that way to balance, can I listen to what others are telling me? And right, can I tune in? Because that wisdom, it is there, right? That opening part of the bio, like helping patients see their amazing inherent capacity. That's us too, right? Because we're patients at some point in our lives. So tuning in to that, I think is so important. And being able to bring those together, I think strong and kind leadership really comes from that. A willingness to know that your experience can coexist with mine and they don't have to be the same. And I can listen to both of those and learn from them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. And, and um, as well as trusting, trusting yourself, um, you know, the, a lot of people, you know, they do doubt themselves because they, they don't sort of share their, their thoughts. They think it's, it's their paranoia or their kind of inner critic or, you know, but it's, it's their fault, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, you, you know, if they actually open up and speak to people in similar situations, they will find that everyone is going through the same kind of thing. So it's not that that's a way of kind of coping with, with being, being gaslit, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for that. Um, 
Okay, so what would be your take-home leadership messages for our listeners? So I think identifying what do you want and need, right? So trusting that of yourself and seeing that in the world. You know, you might think in your hospital, in your clinical practice, in your organization, in your region, what do we need here? What am I hearing from myself? And again, from others, it might be your colleagues, it might be your neighbors, it might be your fellow parents. And trusting that you have the capacity to help bring that forward and that you don't have to do all of it, right? So saying, Mm -hmm. what is the change that's needed here? And what are the skills that I have? And what can I do today to help move that forward? And so like this, right? It might be launching this podcast, right? And drawing attention to the challenges in the workspace and the inspirational women leaders that are making shifts with that. And there too, you're leveraging your platform and your privilege to bring others forward and give a voice and shine a light. And that's really beautiful. So again, you don't have to do it all. You can show what's being done and you can partner with that, right? So don't be afraid to say too, hey, this is great, right? Seeing something that's already a solution, how can I support that? And it might be directly being a part of it or might simply be, again, showing people, look, this already exists, right? We have the solution. We just aren't noticing that it exists Mm -hmm. here. So I think the best ways to lead are, again, to notice, master notice, as we always talk about in our program, and to trust that you can make a contribution, again, whether that's Mm -hmm. directly, whether it's in partnership, whether it's in leveraging your position of power, and take that next step. Right. Begin yeah. by beginning. Like you said, it's lunch day right, when we're recording yeah. this. And that's amazing. Right. There's always that beginning moment and trust that that first step is so valuable, even if it isn't the finish line. Right. And I get caught up there too. You know, I was a longtime triathlete and we get sometimes so caught up in the finishing that we underestimate yeah. the process. So yeah, take that through as well. Yeah. So enjoying, enjoying the journey as well. Um, not being too, mm-hmm eager to get to the destination yeah yeah because yeah, we might well. not see the ultimate change we want you know in a reasonable mm. time frame but it's not yeah. in our lifetime right and that's also being willing to put in the work to not reap the direct benefit to know right it's worth this investment for the return that might come well beyond my time in this space yeah yeah that's very true thank you okay so what what um, projects are you currently excited to be working on that you'd like to share with our listeners yeah, so we continue to expand our programs through Coaching for Institutions. So we have a 12-week flagship CV program and just seeing that in lots of different spaces. We have recurrent cohorts coming through and that's always available. I've been involved in some pilot programs and we're going through the results right now. So I'm excited to really see you know more data-driven impact on those so we can make it known and bring that forward. I've been a little bit of a dormant stage for personal reasons and I'm beginning to come back onto the speaker circuit. So I'll be at the RISE conference with the Mayo Clinic in July, and I'll be part of the Women in Medicine Summit in September. So I'm looking forward to those and continue expanding these coaching relationships. So the Institute for Physician Wellness Physician Coaching Summit in the fall, and of course, Entrem D Business School, we have our annual retreat, and that's such an amazing incubator space for ideas and just positive energy and good relationships. So I'm looking forward to re-emerging there and partnering that alongside keeping up with my three kiddos, which is its own extravaganza. This week, we have four performances <laughs> in three wow. days. You know? So it's just it's an amazing, magical time. And you feel like you live kind of a week and a day, but you know, it's season, so I'm embracing it fully. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, so yeah, loads of great uh, 
conferences and things to look forward to and uh, new programs that are coming along the way. Thank you. That's great. Um, so if any of our listeners would like to reach out to you, um, what's the best way for them to do so? And you could just maybe your, your top two and I'll make sure all your links are in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Most of my social media handles are at This Osteopathic Life and there is a podcast by that same name. And then coachinginstitutions.com and you can visit that website and reach out and find about the work we're doing. Brilliant. Thank you. So finally, do you have any any closing words you'd like to share with the listeners? And I think just drawing on the purpose of this podcast and being open to inspiration in lots of different ways and pointing toward others. You know, I'm going to bring back Abby Wambach's book here as well. So when we are in any situation pointing at, right, like you mentioned, the clerical staff or the cleaning staff, you know, pointing in that direction and noticing that foundational piece and looking toward leadership. So many times, you know, we are challenged by administration, but it's also a difficult job, right? To run a medical organization. There's a lot that goes with it. So having compassion and understanding for these different roles that we see, I think is really what's going to continue to bring health to medicine, to recognize the contributions that are being made by so many, the unique challenges that are present in all the roles honoring the contributions being made in those from ourselves as well, right? Each day, maybe take a moment and just say, what did I offer up today? You know, how did I lead today? And let yourself see that it can look lots of different ways and you can still take credit for that. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. Um, Yeah. There are always things uh, when you kind of, if you, if you keep a journal at the end of the day, there are always things that you can write down that went well, uh, aren't there? Um, And it's very easy to, um, ponder on the the negative things but you know the the positive things usually outweigh them um so uh yeah and and interesting you talk about um you know the administration and and uh, i think empathy on both on both sides um you know so so you you seem um you know very kind of pragmatic and, and empathic about their role and and i agree it's a difficult role um and uh, if they could meet us with with the same amount of empathy and understanding, then things would improve, wouldn't they? A lot. So absolutely, yeah, perfect. Thank you. That's that's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your wisdom and wonderful advice with us. It's been it's been an absolute delight to have you, and I'm really grateful. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. I look forward to all the episodes. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the Inspiring Women Leaders podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach, So please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website, www.dradamharrison.com. That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today. And please join me next time, two weeks from now, on Alternate Wednesdays, for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders.